1: welcome back everybody to the hold that podcast podcast i'm your host chris branch along with my co-host Brody miller and we told you we would have guests and we have a guest Brody, who is with us today
2: we're joined by uh you know somebody who i figure you guys will want to hear from this week as the Bengals are in the super bowl obviously and Basically, the LSU Bengals are in the Super Bowl. We we are joined by the Athletic, our, our great colleague Paul Danner Jr., the Bengals reporter uh, for the Athletic, who is you know him and Jay Morrison have just been doing fantastic work covering this Bengals run. So we thought we would bring him on to uh to to get our fans more stories that of the man they just cannot get enough of, and that is Joe Burrow. Paul, how you doing?
3: I'm doing good, Brody. I'm just here trying to pay off debts. I'm still in the negative to you because you've come on our podcast every draft season now for multiple, two years in a row and talked about uh, the top pick for the Bengals. And so I'm just trying to catch up. I'm just trying to pay my debts off. I'm happy to be here.
2: Yeah, let's. Yeah, let's not rule out more next year. You
3: know, I was going to say.
1: I mean, can we have <laughs> like. Can we Maybe trade they up for a Clark,
3: late first. I don't know. You, know, <laughs> you tell uh, you ever, me. You tell me who I should start doing research on now <laughs> that they are guaranteed yeah. to take in the first round. Honestly, Demond
1: D- Clark is a Damone Clark is a great uh, a, a great prospect there for the well, Bengals' thirtieth or thirty first, thirty second pick.
2: The the icing on the cake was when they also picked up Tyler Shelvin. That was when I'm like, yeah. all right, this is officially getting weird. But yes, we we really do appreciate you coming on, and you know. The the funny thing with Burrow, and this is something, you know, I can't wait to hear on your end as well, Paul, is that it's it's like nothing with Joe Burrow is one plus two equals three. There's this just like weird ability to just change the the math, you know, and so much of the stuff and elevate people. So I'm curious. You've been covering the Bengals for quite a while, and you and you've seen you've covered good teams, you know, like you've you've covered teams that their infrastructure arguably is better than this one, I would assume. But he has this ability to to change that. So I'm curious, and I know this is broad, but walk me through just how he has actually, you know, changed things in that building these last two years.
3: That is broad. I will give you that. Uh, but, I'll, <laughs> but 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 I'll say this. I mean, I think you it, it is remarkable because in talking to you a lot through that process and understanding what happened at LSU through what you had written and, and what we talked about. I I understood how he changed the culture at LSU and and people listening to this, you know, know what that was. It is unbelievable how it feels like it has followed the same script here in the same ways, the same things, the same way he got people. He won people over off the field through the way he worked and, and the way he kind of connected with everybody and had that innate connection of understanding human dynamics with everybody he interacts with from all the way to the owner, all the way down to the last guy on the practice squad and, and how people feed off the belief in him and how his toughness won everyone over. Right. I mean, about how he would just go and take hit after hit and taken one of the gnarliest ACL injuries you've ever seen and be watching film on the on the plane back and and tweeting about how you're not going to take me out that easy and hit rehab to ways that just blew people away all of that stuff is just a different path but with the same mantra and the same method used at LSU and and when he came back this year and he already had the team I mean everybody knew that I mean he he had the team believed in him they, they look to him as sort of the savior, and, and, and there's a real connection there. But when he came back and was playing immediately the way he was, I mean, it was just – this has been just like watching – you know, year two, right, in LSU, all over again. There's Jamar Chase. There's Joe Burrow getting cocky. There he is smoking cigars and dancing. And there he is talking trash about the opposing team's defensive coordinator after he threw for 525 against Wink Martindale. There he is getting mad because he said he wasn't going to be give him a gold jacket yet and, like, taking stuff personally and, and, and it feeding throughout the whole team and everyone believing this team cannot lose because number nine is is on their team and it's just this has to be just wild deja vu for people who follow lsu and now follow the Bengals.
1: it's honestly paul uh it almost feels cliche i'm like the the script writers went back and did the same season over over again and it's like (laughs) do you guys have no other ideas than joe burrow (laughs) doing the same thing and then uh jamar chase uh like looking like the best receiver in the nfl immediately and it's it's just it blows my mind. I mean, was was there a point in the season where you went from like okay, let's see how this goes, to be like, oh wow, this this is like this team's going to make the playoffs, and they they're actually good.
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I can tell you, it was the first the first time I wrote Dare to Dream was in the lead up to their game against Baltimore in Week Seven. I I picked them to pull at that point was thought to be a pretty significant upset. Um, of of the Ravens in Baltimore, and I'm not I'm not tooting my own horn on that, but I remember because I just remember specifically writing that we had seen them destroy Detroit the week before. Um, they were four and two. They had played Green Bay to basically a point they should have won, except for a, a wind coming over the south bank, blowing Evan McPherson's field goal wide left, and and it felt like they were on the brink of something. Like Joe was really starting to get a little more comfortable. Uh, Things were really starting to take off, and they went to Baltimore and 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 just destroyed them. And Jamar had a day. I mean, everybody thought that teams were going to start to adjust to Jamar and they were starting to take away the deep ball because he had really kind of not been a one-trick pony, but that he mostly had just been running nines and and going deep and catching touchdowns, and that was great. But Baltimore tried to stop that, and it, you saw the old burrow to chase started showing up. It was the back shoulders. It was underneath. It was stops. It was breaking tackles. It was him breaking three tackles and putting them in the blender and running 82 yards, and they won 41-17. to There is a clip. Uh, that because I think Burrow was mic'd up that day, or somebody in a sideline conversation with him was, and there he's on the sideline because they're up by so much, and Brandon Allen's playing out the string in the fourth quarter, and he's talking to T. Higgins with a couple other guys around, but he wasn't even talking to T. Higgins; he was just talking to himself, and he just goes, "If we, if if we can win this division, we can win it all. We can win it all." And he walks away with that look on his face where you t- you saw. Like it was like getting to actually see it. They caught the moment that Joe Burrow realized I'm gonna win this thing. I can do it with this group. And that was the moment, week seven at Baltimore. From that point forward, they've had fits and starts and they've sort of they've sort of taken some time to find exactly this hot streak that they're on. But that was when it was realized that this team and Burrow knew right then this is not some maybe we can make the playoffs thing, which he has admitted was basically his idea before the season. Like he said, he would have, you would have called, he would have called himself crazy if before the season, he thought he would be making a deep playoff run. But (laughs) at that point he knew this team can do it.
2: And, and this is probably a tough question to answer. So I, so uh, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt here, but still, I mean, and this isn't exactly a Bengals team that really in many metrics, right? They're like exactly fantastic, but at the same time, there is something where they step up in the biggest moments all these things they find ways to win games it just seems to be the motto with every one of these games so how much and again it's impossible to actually answer but how do you break down like when you look at this team how good they actually are and what amount is just joe you know having an ability to to elevate you know what i mean like the balance yeah. between their literal ability and what they are
3: yeah i mean i i think a lot of A lot of how good they have gone from going from kind of good to great, you know, to make it to the Super Bowl has just been really the belief that Joe has instilled in everybody that everybody feels like there's it's the culture he creates. Right. I mean, it's guys that just empty the tank every single week across the entire roster. They make the one extra play every single playoff game they've played in has the last defensive play of the game has been an interception. Every one. <laughs> and 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 there's been multiple games like that there earlier in the year they had a game their opener against Minnesota where they're on like play 83 in overtime in like 90 degree heat and Jermaine Pratt is like running and trying to rip the ball out of Dalvin Cook and and he ends up forcing a fumble that ends up winning them the game and it's like they have had guys that have played like that all year and i think that's an extension of Burrow where it's just that man if i can just make that one play he'll go win it for us you saw that in the tennessee win in the playoffs where they went and got the turnover and then it was the bench route to chase to set up the field goal and it, i think that m- makes them better than they are that's one part of it and then the second part of it is really when you when you really slice and dice them up they're pretty good at everything except offensive line like they're they're maybe they're not great at anything outside of Burrow, but at offensive line, there—that's what should have buried them. But he's so good at offsetting that weakness that it almost cancels the damn thing out, <laughs> and, and it's it's crazy. Uh, but I mean, you know, you got a guy that's just out here just making Chris Jones and uh, and you name the pass rusher Max Crosby, uh, whoever miss over and over again and creating big plays off of it and. You know, when you have that, yeah, your offensive line can stink, but it doesn't,
1: you're, it's not killing you. You're still, you're winning. You can still win because Burrow is just that good at offsetting it. I mean, I, again, I have to interject and say this is the same script at LSU, and LSU's offensive line was good. I don't, I don't want to trash them in 2019, but there were so many plays that Burrow made where he's running for his life. And, you know, there was a lot of, uh, you know he had five wide and it was the minimum protection, but they felt comfortable with it because Burrow was going to make a decision in two seconds, or he was going to r- wriggle his way out into the flat and find somebody. And it's just like it's the same thing. I mean, they won a playoff game on the road when he got sacked. It was, it was eight times, right? Eight times in Tennessee. Nine. Nine. Nine.
3: Nine times. I, I even
1: underestimated, that. and they still won the <laughs> damn game. It's just like it blows my mind. I mean. um, it's crazy. You know, it's it's funny that, that Burrow has the confidence, but I don't know. I'm sure you guys saw the Bengals put out uh, like a 10-minute mic'd up thing. I think it was NFL Films. But the moment that stuck with me was when Ron Bell intercepted that ball in Kansas City and they, they, they showed Jamar and it was the first time it looked like Jamar thought that they could actually win the game or like he realized <laughs> the stakes. He was like, his mouth was open, his eyes were wide, and he was like, oh my God, we're going to win the game. And, Joe didn't seem like he cared much or like he it didn't face him that much. And it was just like, so cool. Yeah. I mean that moment, there's a couple of things about that
3: game. And, and that moment is one. Everybody knew the moment Von Bell picked that off. It was over. Cause everybody yep. knew Burrow was going to get him into position. Like there was just zero doubt that that was what was going to happen and he you know he's in the spot and there's T Higgins coming across and he just puts it right in the perfect spot and boom they're down in field goal range and it was and it was ball game the other thing is you know Jamar's evolution this year has been interesting because and i, I don't know if you, if we want to talk about white stripes on the football and all that garbage from preseason but <laughs> i, I uh, but but i'll say this i mean he's always because he came in when the they game started and was so good immediately and it just mm-hmm. felt like this guy just showed up and was like I'm great at football and I'm going to be great at football and I don't really care that it's the Bengals or whatever like he's just I'm just going to be great at football and I'm going to break all your records like he said on draft night unbelievably uh and and he did and he's so he's kind of been too cool for school in that way. I mean, not that he's not hardworking, the opposite. You know, as you guys know, him and Burrow have that really, that same mentality. But he's never, he, it's always seemed like him just kind of doing it because like he's good at it. And he's, and, and, you know, how emotionally invested is Jamar Chase in, in Cincinnati, right? He just found out they had big buildings when he came to the city for the first time. Like, <laughs> he was like amazed by that. And so. At the end of that video, he breaks down when they win. Like he yeah. breaks down in like in like those those like that uh, probably like an ugly cry. You couldn't see his face because he oh, was yeah. bent over, but if a little anybody's bit, it done a little that, ugly. A little bit it sounded ugly like it, right? And and I was like, man, look how invested this guy's because he'd never really shown that in any interactions, at least not with us or that we'd seen in any type of segments. And for him to talk about how he's been crying the whole time and he's got snot bubbles and all this stuff is just like (laughs) a really, I, I thought, uh, it was really cool to see his how much he cares and how much he is invested in this team and, and, and accomplishing this goal and everything because he just kind of felt like he was just that ringer that had come in. Like, like you brought in the ringer from that's a high schooler to play in like the sixth grade intramural game who was just right. like, I'm just better than everyone. I'm doing this because I can and it's awesome. And, and, but it, it showed a kind of a whole different side of him and I just thought that was, that was really cool.
0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. No, you, you nailed
2: it. Like, the too-cool-for-school thing is, and again, like you said, it's not its not rude. It's just, like, something about him is just like, yeah, what do you mean? Like, this is, I'm good at this. Like, yeah. it's its so dead on, so that is why that moment was cool. And And to build on that, I think in a way, you up close are probably able to see, for lack of a better term, the Joe and Jamar relationship better than we did in a way just because something about that LSU year it was like Justin Jefferson was always like, it always felt like more like Burroughs guy and then Jamar just exploded mid-season and that trio and all that. And it's just like, it all just happened so quickly while I feel like you're actually getting to see up close the way that it's like he is his, you know, his Jerry Rice, for lack of a better, you know, comp or anything, you know, the Montana and Rice. Like, How have you seen how they just, what their actual relationship is like? You know, and I don't know how much truth there is to the like, you know, and you would know the the Joe speaking up for Jamar stuff at the draft and all that, but like how they actually click together.
3: I'm going to tell you a story that I have not, I meant to, I've been trying to write all year and I never found the spot to do it. And well, the season's about over, so I'm going to give it to you guys.
1: Breaking news.
3: This is good. I, 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 I'm so sad I actually haven't written it. So, um, Jamar gets drafted and he's like trying to figure out where he's going to live in Cincinnati and Burroughs like, you know, come live near me. And so Jamar goes door to door on Joe Burroughs Street, offering to buy everyone's house. No way. <laughs> And he what? just knocks on the doors. He says, uh, I'm Jamar Chase. Uh, I'd love to buy your house. Like, how much? Whatever. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the conversation was like, although I, I know that this is what happened. And he ends up buying one of the houses. Oh so he lives God. like. He lives that's like incredible. two, two, three doors down from Joe Burrow because that's where he he came here to play with Joe, and he wants to live next to him. And it, he's got a bunch of money, so he'll just buy someone's house next to him. And that I'm officially th- mad
2: at you for not writing
3: this I know. I'm find a way to work this in. I've been trying to figure out the spot for this all year. I feel I guilty. Probably, it probably <laughs> it's to hold that be, podcast uh,
1: is the spot.
3: I'll, you know what? I'll have you to exit. I probably will have to write it in like Friday to sneak it <laughs> in really for, yeah. for the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, it's like th- that's their relationship, right? I mean, that's they're here f- to play with each other. And when, when, when things were going sideways for Jamar in the preseason, and that was not made up, that was not just some clickbait, whatever anybody wanted to yell about the Cincinnati media at that point. It was real. He was playing poorly in camp. He played poorly in the preseason games. He was dropping everything. Like That was very real. The one thing that everybody that I talked to about that told me was we all had our concerns. We all were trying to figure it out. Everyone was trying to do We were doing drills with tennis balls. We're doing these drills. We're doing this stuff. We're trying mental stuff, whatever. The one thing that never changed was Joe Burrow said the same thing every time. Joe will be fine. Or, Jamal will be fine. Don't worry. Jamal will be fine on Sundays. Don't worry about that. Jamal will be fine. He said that every turn, Burrow was right there with zero concern, at least outward to the coaches. He never would, did he ever express any concern over what Jamar is going to play like. And in that first game against Minnesota, he hits the deep ball that looked like a replica of the last touchdown that they threw on the deep ball against clubs in the national title. Yep. And you're like, Oh, yep. There's the gritty. Everything's fine. He's right. He is fine. And, uh, and that was kind of that.
1: I do. I do want to ask you about Jamar. I, I was reading up a few of your stories from last week, the last couple of weeks, honestly. And, You had an interesting note in one of your notebooks about Chris Collinsworth saying that Jamar was the best receiver to put on a Bengals jersey, and I like as much as I adore Jamar Chase, and I think he is one of the most special wide receivers I've ever seen play the game. Like, can you go there? Like, is that is that a a legit conversation yet? I mean, Chad Ochocinco, and I just I grew up with Chad Ochocinco, T.J. Mazada, and like those guys were awesome, and it's just like one season. Is that? It's wild to
3: me. I mean, AJ Green just left. AJ like, Green, <laughs> yes, oh <my> God. <laughs> he was just here and he was incredible, yeah. and he will be in the ring and ring of honor, and he'll probably even be in Hall of Fame conversations one day. But yeah. he broke. All, I mean, Jamar broke the records. He, he did. Um, um, you know, and and I would. He is a more complete receiver than any of those players. I mean, Chad was. Special in every way imaginable as a route runner and one of the greatest the games ever seen. But he wasn't as you know he wasn't the yak monster. He wasn't always such a threat over the top. He was, uh, but you know that wasn't like his his, an elite weapon for him necessarily. I mean, he could do it uh, really well because of the rest of his game set it up. AJ was incredible hands, incredible body control. Height, speed, all the stuff that you want, but he also wasn't really like he, his after the catch was not as was not as great. Well, I mean, Jamar doesn't have the size, but he's got the speed. He plays like he has the size. He and his after the catch is incredible. I mean, and now I'm I, I would be remiss not to mention Isaac Curtis, who literally changed the way football was played in the '70s because they made De-cut. rules. They, they he was so fast because. They changed the rules that you you were you could not you know you you now had to have rules where you could mug the receivers when coming off the line because because Curtis was just blowing past people and, and he arguably might be the the best receiver in Bengals history behind in Jamar Chase in this case and and, uh, and so th- there's a plenty of lineage here in Collinsworth himself uh, Carl Pickens Darnay Scott if you want to bring guys that were good receivers but I I would mm. I would agree with Chris in that it certainly is the start uh, uh, of being, he's shown the complete receiverness that none of them ever showed in their primes. They may have had other skills that were better than Jamar's, but as far as having all of them at a certain height, a certain level, um, I I, I would agree with Chris on that.
2: So, and this is probably the question you have probably spent the last two weeks answering and discussing at length, but you know, I think the question on everyone's mind is, Rams front you know with putting their pressure on Burrow all day and how do they counter that and it's like and and, you know his greatest superpower in my mind aside from you know this this insane confidence is his processing his ability to to beat a pass rush all those kind of things how do you imagine you know they they go about this do they do you think they try to neutralize that and go to more of like a quick game let Joe get the ball out fast? Or I I mean I know they're not going to come out and tell you this but how do you think they go about that I think it's going to be, um,
3: you know, some similar stuff to what you saw with Kansas City. Aaron Donald is way better than Chris Jones, and that's saying something because Chris Jones is incredible. Um, But I think you have to kind of treat it the same way. You're still going to have quick game. You're going to use screens like they did effectively uh, against Kansas City. You know, you're you're going to have some some of that that type of contest, but also. You also just got to kind of be who you are. I mean, it's what got them there. I mean, back around week, I guess, 14, after they played against San Francisco and Burrow led an incredible comeback in the fourth quarter in overtime, they ended up losing the game, even though they kicked a field goal to go up in OT. Uh, You know, after that, they just said, look, we're just going to see how far Burrow can take us. We're we're just gonna give it to him. We're gonna stop protecting him. He's he can handle it. His mobility looks better. Every he's this if we if he plays like he does and we unleash him like he did in the fourth quarter and overtime for a full game we can't lose. And that might mean they take some hits. And Burrow said, "Bring it on. I want the hits. If that's how we win, give me the hits." And that's how they've played. And that's what he's taken a bunch of them, but they've been explosive when he hasn't taken the hits and he's created plays off of it. And so I at a certain point, how can you change who you found foundationally have been to get to this point? And I think that is where you'll see them just kind of focusing on, on being who they've been and he'll be running from 99, a bunch and he'll go down under 99 a couple of times. Uh, but what they hope is the times that he doesn't, he'll be uh, making big plays.
1: I'm nervous and I'm not even a Bengals fan. I'm just <laughs> an, an, edu, an educated LSU fan that uh, it's, it's, it, it. I wish you could see the dynamic Paul, because I, uh, my co-host here is the objective LSU writer, but he grew up a Bengals fan and we watched the (laughs) Titans game together and he kept treating burrow and chase like he still covers them. And it's very funny (laughs) because they would make this huge play. And then he has this Bengals sadness in him that, you know, he doesn't let himself be excited until everything's in hand. So they make an awesome play and I would be yelling and screaming and he'd be like, Yeah, it it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. That's a, that's a good play. It's a good play. It's fine. I spent so, all
2: three games constantly prepared for the the rug to get pulled. Yes. Right.
1: Everybody's been
3: waiting for that moment. I mean, that's the thing about this city is when it's been when it had been 31 years since you won a playoff game and and. 26 years since any professional team had advanced, which included many, many excruciating rug pulled out at the last possible mm-hmm. second moments. Everyone was waiting for it. And that's the most amazing thing about Burrow is that he has stripped this city of that feeling. It is no longer a part of the fabric of what being a Cincinnati sports fan is, and at least not being a Bengals fan is, you never think the rug is going to be pulled out. You think Joe Burrow is going to walk out the tunnel. And it's incredible that he has not just done that to an organization or to a locker room, but to an entire city already is just bananas.
1: So, uh,
2: Chris, you have you have an important question to ask, though.
1: Is, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, I want you to be honest with me, Paul. Do you like Joe's glasses? Oh, my God. Do we have to do this? <laughs> we
2: don't have to. As somebody who gets asked about Brian Kelly's accent every week, I think you're allowed to sympathize. You can avoid it. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, by the
3: way, do you guys have access to that room where he did the Travolta dance with the recruit? Like, can you guys get in there and do some stuff? Uh, I, I don't
1: think I, so. No. I, I, I shouldn't be allowed in there. <laughs> <laughs> we do not please
3: that should be your guys immersive story that's what i want is you guys in the room how t- we're talking about. That would be like in there let's go uh I, I the glasses were hysterical in that they made me laugh when he walked in with them uh and you know he, but you know brody you told me this before he came here and i've it's never left me is that it's not weird to him like yeah. Yeah. it's just it's just him being himself like he's just a goof and he thinks they're cool. So he wears them. like he just has no he is unapologetically his own weird self at every turn. And that means and he's not lying when he says, I don't try to be cool. I just wear stuff that I think that I like. And like sometimes it's his weird. response,
2: like when when someone asked him about it, it was the first time it had probably ever occurred to him that somebody would like even not think it's cool. Like it was just yes. like, wait, do you guys not like it? Like it was the first time it ever occurred to him.
3: Yeah, I mean, he 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 came into the press conference room, and everyone sort of chuckled and was like, basically muttering to each other, "Look at this, look at these glasses," and <laughs> and nobody said anything. We, I mean, it was a big win. They, I believe it was the Baltimore I don't know, whatever game it was, it was a big win, and or Kansas City, and and so he, the whole press conference, everybody's talking about football and this, that, and the other, and finally, you know, somebody's just like. What's, basically, what's up with these glasses? Like, well, and you know, and he drops the they're cool. Don't you think they're cool? Line, you know, and it's and it's just like wow. The legend grows, right? I mean, he's just he just owns it, and and that's just he pulls it off. He,
1: he somehow pulls it off. <laughs>
2: he somehow pulls. It he off. does. And and we'll let you go in a minute. Maybe um, at least one more for me. I'm not sure if Chris has others, but I want to just ask in the sense of okay, they are here so ahead of schedule. How? Okay, because the thing, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase it. I feel like the things that got them there is the the fact that there is no scar tissue, right? Like there is just no even fear involved there. So, how do you think that carries into this game? Like, do you think these two weeks, do you think they are still just going to go in with no scar tissue and just believe they're the best team in the world? Or do you think there is some element of, hey, man, this might be too much?
3: Oh, there, there is no way that the moment is too big for these guys. I mean, not not with Burrow, not with Chase, not with what how they've won every game. When I mean, he's undefeated as a more than three point underdog. I, I mean, all they Wait, do, really? yes, yeah. I, uh, six is it? I think it's six now. I have to double check that number. Six and zero, oh, I think they were they were five and zero oh going into Kansas City. So yeah. six and zero. Oh. I mean, th- they love it. I mean, they love this. That everyone's now talking about Donald and the Rams and, and, and how, you know, and every time someone picks the Rams, it's like, you know, it's that, that gif of the guy, you know, from the office scraping the name off, you know, it's just like, (laughs) you know, they love that. So there is no way they, they feed into the fact that people are doubting them and and will, I would see no way. Um, that you would see a moment feel too big for to them. I
1: don't. Doesn't mean they're going to win, but it won't be because of anything like that. Yeah. I, I have to ask: Do you have a prediction yet? Are you Are you comfortable saying what you think is going to happen?
3: Uh, I, He's asking yeah, for me, really. Yeah. No. I I have the Bengals. too scared I, to ask. I, I knew. I knew. In Kansas City, I if they beat Kansas City in Arrowhead, I thought that was the tougher task than beating the Rams in the Super Bowl. And or or San Francisco if they would have won, and so I, I was going to pick them if they beat Kansas found a way to beat Kansas City, and and they did, um, and so I, I have them twenty six twenty um, four, actually was what Ooh. I said uh, winning in only you know I mean it would only be fitting if it was Evan McPherson at the gun. At I was going to
1: so. say is it is it McPherson? It's just a matter of from how
3: far. It's just a matter of from how far, right?
2: <laughs> At this point, how could it be any other way? God, there's some. By the way, I, there's something beautiful about the fact that the only clutch field goal of McPherson has missed all year, he also thought he made. Thought he made. He's, he nailed it. He celebrated. He nailed it. it. I mean, he did, and it
3: was just like a total freak wind that blew it just barely over the upright. I mean, he he knew he nailed it. He hit it right on line, and it should have been, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the thing blew. It was, just a, it was, it was angels in the outfield day because that was Mason Crosby missed all the field goals yep, and Evan right. did. It was like everybody was seeing weird stuff happen to the football. Well,
2: well Paul, uh, I, I sincerely cannot thank you enough for coming on. This was fantastic. Um, we are now officially even in our exchange because of the Chase story you dropped us, which is incredible. <laughs> yes. Um, no, in all seriousness, thank you for – I mean, not thank you, but she, credit to you for all the, the work you've done this year. You, you've kicked ass covering this this crazy run. And uh, as somebody who has uh, had to do what you're doing, uh, tip of the cap to you, sir. And thank you for coming on. It's a lot of fun. You, you too. Have, you,
1: it. I can't wait to do it again. You have a lot of new readers in South Louisiana. I hope you know. <laughs> I
2: appreciate it.
1: I appreciate everybody <laughs> that's following along. <laughs> all Thanks, right. Thanks, Paul.
2: Thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks.